Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Every Block Rising. We have a really, really, really dope person with us today. And so instead of introducing her, I'm going to let her take the, the space. Tell me your stories, where you're from, how you got here, and what your life has been like. It's mm, a big question, Isa. Super happy to be here. Andrea Cristina Mercado. I, um, I was born in New York. And my mom was born in Argentina and her dad died when she was two years old. And my uncle was just a few months old. And my grandmother actually came to the United States, to New York, to take care of children, work as a nanny and support her family and, and left my mom in Argentina with her grandparents. And my, my dad is from Cusco, Peru, where my family lived for thousands and thousands of years until they were uh, displaced by an earthquake. Um, and then my, my dad's little brother got leukemia and my dad traveled to New York to work and send money home. Um, and he never, he never saw his little brother Alfredito again. And um, those stories have shaped me and who I am. My parents met working at their families worked at JFK airport and the rest is history. I, uh, we, we moved to South Florida when I was in high school, I was 15. And I think that also really like marked my life. I, I grew up going to public schools in New York and a school district that was majority African-American. And I was one of the few Latino families in my school and then came to a school in Florida that was majority white with a big Latino population um, and experienced a lot of racial tension. And found refuge in in books, in history, in literature, and yeah, I think got just politicized seeing the experiences of some of my friends who were undocumented and what their families were going through, and then became really active in college and immigrant rights fights and worker justice fights, and then kind of kept going. How was that that change when you went from um, New York, a very, you know, liberal, open-minded, quote-unquote, state, to a state like Florida? And all that comes with that, right? Because we know specifically where we went to school, it was a very specific type of people that went to the school and a specific way of thinking that people had in that area. Yes. Yeah, so, um New York, there's still a lot of racial inequality and segregation, but I was, you know, we were taught, we, we honored civil rights history. I was taught that Confederate flags and the Ku Klux Klan were like things of the past. And then, you know, come to find as a teenager, like they're around me. People had Confederate flags on, on shirts, on their trucks. People talked about so-and-so's dad or this person, this teacher is in the Ku Klux Klan. And I think for me, that was a real shock and surprise. And then, you know, I remember, I'll never forget seeing the hate graffiti, Hicks kill Spicks, like just the 
pretty intense, I think, racial dynamics inside the school. And I think for me, it was, uh, as a Latina, I think it was all of a sudden being on the other side of a racial dynamic. Yeah, 100%. So then you went into college. Mm -hmm. And what was that like for you? I think that was its own type of awakening to a lot of class privilege um, and being scholarship kid at a Ivy League university, you know, I think also kind of pushed some of my analysis forward. I mean, I grew up feeling like we were really comfortable because our family took vacation, you know, but there was, uh, you know, at, at that time, my family had uh, had some different experiences lost a lot of work and lost their business. And so for me, it was a real awakening around like a class consciousness. And coming out of university is like when I felt really called to be a part of social movements and and change this country. I I spent a year in, in Brazil with an organization that was adjacent to the Movimiento Sin Tierra on a on a farm in a rural area in a Western Bahia. And um, I think it really kind of woke me up to the the role that the U.S. plays globally currently, not just in history, but to this day. And when I came back to the U.S., I felt really committed to working in social movements and and working with an organization of Latina immigrant women. It was led by immigrant women, Mujeres Unidas y Activas in California, um, on issues of domestic violence and domestic worker, right, the violence people experience in their own homes, but then like, what's the violence people experience on the job? You know, domestic workers who were experiencing very high levels of sexual harassment and assault, um, who were oftentimes not being paid enough or not being paid at all. And, you know, I think didn't come into working in politics um, but as you start to work on campaigns to change policy, because racism doesn't just exist between individuals, it's it's institutionalized um, in our laws and in our policy. And domestic workers, I think, are a real example of that because it was when primarily African-American women were doing that work in the 1930s that they were excluded from the right to overtime and the right to organize. Most other workers, you work eight hours, you can get time and a half. That's not the case. For domestic workers because of laws that were passed generations ago. So, you know, I think that was my entry into politics. And then after the 2016 election, you know, I think that was a real moment of reckoning for all of us where we saw someone espousing not only like so much anti-immigrant hate, but really like consolidated white nationalism, um, white supremacy. Um, And when we lost that election, it was a punch in the gut. And it was when I, you know, decided I, I want to focus on Florida. I want to focus on transforming the state that I call home and was able to join the phenomenal team at New Florida Majority and now Florida Rising that's working across the state to advance racial equity and expand democracy. So when I hear you talk, I hear that you have a world in mind that you want to be a part of. If you could get to that world by tomorrow, if you went to sleep and I told you, you know what, tomorrow you're going to have whatever it is that is on your mind, you know, you can change the world. What 
would be some of the priorities that come to your head? Mm. All right. I love this question because I think it's really important for us to have vision and a clear North Star. For me, we have a thriving democracy that really represents the diversity of our country. And we've advanced uh, just to transition to a clean energy economy. We live in Florida where the sun shines over 300 days a year. So we are taking advantage of solar energy actually <laughs> responding to the climate crisis um, with bold solutions. And we have worker protections and everyone is, everyone knows, <laughs> and it's reflected in their paycheck that their work is valued, that they have enough money to have a roof over their head and food on the table. And our kids have educational opportunities and recreational activities. And we all have the opportunity to, to thrive. Our world is so abundant. Um, and yet we are concentrating wealth in the hands of so few people. And we've, we've actually solved for that. We've actually advanced to a new way of being where our interconnectedness not only with each other, but with the planet has shifted. Which is what, when you're talking, I think about like, and this is something that I based this podcast on, is like somebody created this way of being. Why can't we get together and recreate a new one that benefits all of us and the planet? Because if we continue polluting, you know, if corporations continue polluting the way that they are, we won't have a planet for long. You know, and I'm pretty sure you as a mom, that thought is just, I can't even imagine thinking about that if I have children. So thank you for sharing that. And now the million dollar question, how do we get there? Ah, well, I'm an organizer. So the answer to that question is always organizing. Like I just really do believe that when we come together, we are able to accomplish extraordinary things. And, and I've seen it. You know, I've seen ordinary people coming together, shifting massive structures and policy. And I just, I, I believe that that's really the answers for people to build social movements, to build organization, to build institutions, um, and that everyone has a role to play. Like there's so much for us to do. And it's important for us to acknowledge, like, we will advance and then there will be retrenchment and reaction. And, you know, I think that's history and international perspective. Like, we know that and we can learn from our ancestors and the people who have come before us. Dr. Angela Davis just, just reminded me, we know that when we struggle, the future will be better for our people. And if we don't, that it is black and brown communities that will be left behind. And so I just, you know, I think that gives me purpose when I get up every day and just really want to make the invitation for people to join, join Florida Rising, join another organization, like find a way to advance us towards our, our higher purpose. So I know that Florida Rising is a political organization and we talk about politics and policy all the time. Why is that important? I know for the people who are listening at home, many of us do not have 
you know, and very intentionally so, of the importance of politics and how that guides who we are and how we move in the world and the privileges and the disadvantages or advantages that we have according to specific policy. Why is that so important? I know you talked about democracy, right? So how does that connect to the world that we want to live in? That's a great question. I came into this work through organizing and social movements and came to realize like the importance of having people in elected office who will go to bat for our communities, for working families, for the issues that we care about. And it is very much true in the words of Frederick Douglass that power concedes nothing without demand. Like it's not, it's not just about electing people. Um, we have to be able to put pressure on elected officials to deliver because the status quo will always be to benefit the wealthy elite and the largest corporations. But we have seen that it makes a difference and we've been able to extract concessions. We've been able to change policy. There's still a lot to be done and we have to push both political parties. But we can't be confused about the fact that one party is currently the consolidation of white nationalism and an all-out, represents an all-out assault on democracy. Like what we saw in 2016 during the Trump administration, what we experienced in 2020 with the insurrection and an attempt to just invalidate the results of an election. You know, I think here in the United States, we think democracy is something that we take for granted, as imperfect as it is, as far as we have to go. Um, but for those of us who have experiences with other countries, um, we know that democracy can be very fragile, um, can easily be taken over by dictatorship and military juntas. And so, you know, I think this moment that we're living in is a time for us to defend and expand democracy, um, to truly be representative of, um, of the people. But we also have to maintain our independence from it. And that's why I think the independent political organizations are, are so important. And when we talk about Florida Rising as being an independent political organization, who and what can I find there if I decide to join? Yes. So um, Florida Rising is working every day to expand democracy and advance racial equity. Uh, we are organizing across the state on everything from housing justice to um, climate action, fighting environmental racism and waste incinerators, and dirty energy in communities of color, fighting for our self-determination um, and for our voting rights to be respected. And I think Florida Rising is an opportunity for people to come in and make a contribution. And that looks different for different people. For some folks, that's like showing up at a county commission meeting um, or school board meeting or in Tallahassee in our state legislature. And for others, that's helping register people to vote or helping to engage people online. So really, you know, just invite people to join. We have people's assemblies in um, 12 counties across the state where everyday people are coming together to shift the political landscape in our state. And my last question for you today, if you had access to a billboard 
in the most populated area of your block, what would it say and why? Mm. We are the new majority. I think if we bring together Black, Latino, LGBTQ folks, um, young people, we can we can assert progressive governance in this state and shift the politics of this state from being one that attacks LGBTQ families and attacks women's bodies and attacks our right to vote and under-resources our schools and access to healthcare. Um, so I think reminding folks that we are powerful. So I think I'm going to go with, we are the new majority. Thank you so much. That that resonates because if you look at us, we are the global majority, right? And so we need to get together and organize so we can be the new majority of the state. Thank you so much, Andrea, for your time and for being here, for being vulnerable and open with us. And I hope to see you very soon. Thank you. Si se puede, Isa. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.